You're listening to episode 39 of the Body You Crave podcast, the one where we talk about how to handle big emotions, especially negative emotions, without turning to food or wine. I'm master at life and weight loss coach Jillian Lama, and you're listening to the Body You Crave podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body. No cheating required. Keep listening, and I'll show you how. Hey, welcome back. All right, so today we are talking about a bit of a heavier topic in terms of handling big emotions. And I'm going to say specifically handling negative emotions, because right now there are a lot of people with a lot of different emotions, everything from stress, fear, anxiety, anger, grief, sadness, just to name a few. And for all different reasons, this is a topic and how to handle suffering, how to handle hurt or loss came up in Bible study last week. And it was just put on my heart that this was something that I need to talk about more and to share in more of a full podcast. This is part of my job and part of my zone of genius is helping people feel better about their lives, not just by changing circumstances, but by changing how they respond. And so we really have to get to the root of why we are reaching for food when we're not truly hungry. And so often it's to soothe or numb our emotions. We are looking to create some kind of pleasure, joy, comfort, relaxation. We're looking for a state change. That's all that's going on. And so I can help you say no to food. I can give you all the tips and tricks and tools in the world to help you say no to food in the moment. But the real thing we want to get to is how do I solve for what's driving it? If I keep running to the pantry because I'm stressed, because I'm bored, because I'm anxious, because I'm lonely, because I'm tired, those are the things we need to start solving for. This is what I mean when I say we need to solve for the right problem. We need to make sure that what is going on is actually the thing that we are we're solving for. It's going to this is going to be a deeper topic today. So Negative emotions isn't always going to be fun to talk about. This is something that there was even a bit of maybe even resistance on my part of, but it's not fun. It's not happy. It's not entertaining. It's not, um, you know, it's probably not going to make people laugh. There was a part of me that was even hesitant because there's this thought about talking about negative emotions isn't fun, right? It's not enjoyable. But it is a part of life because life is 50-50. It's 50% positive emotions, 50% negative emotions. So it's okay to experience negative emotions. This is part of being human. Nothing has gone wrong. I think this is one of the biggest things and, and as to why we are so afraid of negative emotions or why we try to avoid them is because of our thoughts about what the negative emotions mean or that it's bad, that again, something has gone wrong. You don't have to try to fix them. You don't have to try to eat through them. You don't have to try to avoid your emotions. In fact, this is where we go wrong with weight loss. When we look at weight loss as a whole, all you have to do is take away your only outlet for handling stress, anger, or other triggers, and then you wonder why you struggle. We take away the food, and then we don't know how to handle or how to cope with grief, loss, sadness, any of the other emotions that come up. And so that's one of the biggest things is that negative emotions might feel overwhelming and that you might start to spiral into worst case scenarios. You might feel really discouraged. There's no end in sight. And so for a lot of us, we don't want to allow them. We don't want to feel them. We don't want to acknowledge them because it feels so daunting. It feels so just overpowering. 
But we also have to recognize that we have to take responsibility for our emotions and not blame other people or circumstances as to why I feel the way that I feel. Because so many of us are taught things like, he hurt my feelings, my job stresses me out, my kids make me angry. And now we need to try to change other people and other things around us in order to feel better. And that's a very challenging way to go through life. You can start feeling better without needing anybody or anything else to change. But we have to start to look at how do I take responsibility for this? And there are going to be times when you do want to feel sad. You do want to feel hurt or angry or upset. That's normal. That's okay. We don't have to try to fix or change our emotions all the time just so that we can be happy or positive. It's okay to have that time where we feel sad or we experience the loss. And so for a long time, I really struggled with this idea of life is 50-50. I've mentioned several times on the podcast how my brain wanted to argue and negotiate with this. Like 50% negative emotions? Uh, No, thank you. That's a hard pass. That's a hard no. But this came from a place of extreme negativity and inability to handle and process my negative emotions. It came from thinking that something's gone wrong whenever negative emotions come up, that negative emotions are very big, that they're very loud, they're very overpowering, overwhelming. It was very negative. It was very extreme. And that was one thing that I had to recognize was that we might feel disappointed and that's all right, that we can move through it, that we don't need food to cope with it. So if we look at negative emotions as just being there, as not being right or wrong or good or bad, we can move through them so much easier. But we have to accept them. We have to learn how to allow and be okay allowing them and not pressure ourselves and not let anybody else pressure us to have to move through it faster. So today I'm going to blend two podcasts into one because they're connected. There are likely a lot of people who feel a lot of stress, whether it's from relationship challenges or maybe a divorce, whether it's in your own life, your parents, close family friends, a sister or a brother. We can feel stress over a career or a job or being unemployed. We can feel a lot of stress or anxiety or worry around war or the threat of war, around drug abuse with people that you're close to, whether it's friends or family, mental illness, health crises, whether they're personal, whether it's for yourself, whether it's for a loved one, whether it's an international pandemic. We can have a lot of anxiety and uncertainty about what does the future hold for us? What does this look like? Those are all very common. At the same time, there can also be grief, sadness, suffering, the loss And this can be the physical death of a loved one, like a spouse or parent, sibling, could be a child, no matter how old they are, whether they're eight weeks old and they're in the womb, whether they are eight months out of the womb, whether they're eight years old, right? It does not matter how old the child is. We can still feel that loss and that grief over losing a child and over losing a pet because so often our pets become part of the family too. We can have the loss of a relationship. So this can be more of the mental, emotional loss of losing a friendship, the loss of the relationship of a spouse through divorce. It can be the loss of a relationship with somebody who's struggling with mental illness or with a brain injury. It can also be the loss of current daily activities. Right? It can be the loss of a dream, the loss of a goal. It could be if you are in physical pain and you have a hard time caring for other people or doing daily tasks or leaving your house, driving down the street, you can have that kind of emotional loss and grief around daily habits and activities and seeing people and community. 
You can have the loss of a dream of where you're going to live or what you're going to do with your life if you're going to have kids or grandkids. And so we just want to be aware that it's okay to grieve for these things. It's okay to grieve the loss of relationships, the physical loss of someone. It's okay to grieve the loss of that dream or that goal or that desire for your life. But I also want to just point out here, I want you to notice where you are delegating your happiness or joy. Are you putting it in circumstances? So for me, Zach and I were supposed to move to San Diego at the middle of 2019, and that ended up not happening. And I was so disappointed because back in 2016, I told Zach I would love to live in San Diego. And he was like, okay, you have fun with that. (laughs) There is no way I am moving there. So I quickly put it on the back burner and I actually, I forgot about it for a long time. I just didn't think it was going to happen. And then an opportunity came for Zach to pursue his dream career and, and his dream job. And one of the cities and one of the options was San Diego. And so we ended up choosing that. He was selected. We started on this process. And then there were some issues and he ended up not getting the job in San Diego. That one was no longer available. And so I had built up this dream that I finally got to live out. We had an apartment just a block from the beach. We had an ocean view balcony. I could see everything. I was so excited to move. We had everything packed up and in storage. We were ready to go. All the things were in line. And then we found out we could not go to San Diego. And there was sadness. There was grief. There was loss. There was that loss of a dream, the loss of the future life, of the potential, of that vision. And Zach was very well-meaning because he was like, look, this isn't that bad. I still have these other three options to pick from. We can still go somewhere else. Why are you so upset? You need to get over it in a more loving, gentle way. But that was basically what he was trying to say or what he was trying to get at was, hey, it's not that bad. It's fine. Let's move on. We'll pick another city. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. And I told him, I need to just be sad tonight. I need to be sad and to be in that kind of lost state over this dream, over this vision, over what I wanted and what I thought was going to happen and be okay with it. And tomorrow we can talk more about where we're going to go. This happened on a Friday night. We had until Sunday night to decide which of the three places we wanted to go. So we ended up moving to Tucson, Arizona instead. And we were able to go back and visit. I think I went to San Diego like four times. I still went to California multiple times. I still went to visit family. We still went for vacation. We went to the beach and we still had a great time, even though we weren't living in that city. But I had to allow myself the, the space to grieve the loss of that dream and that goal and to question and to doubt and put myself in the place where I could then make a decision the next day. Because Friday night felt pretty crappy. Saturday morning felt a lot better. And I didn't feel awesome. I didn't feel awesome even that next week, but I started to feel so much better that weekend. And then I could make a decision around what is the best move for our family now, knowing that this is no longer an option. And again, I was forgetting at that time too, what makes me happy? It's not where I'm living. It's not the circumstance of my city. It is my thoughts about where I'm living. It's the thoughts about my community. It's the thoughts about my house or my apartment or my car. It's my thoughts that create my happiness. And so that's just what I want to bring up here is where are you delegating your happiness? Where are you putting it? In whom are you putting it? And so just be aware because if you are constantly putting your happiness, joy, peace, comfort, contentment in external circumstances, you will always be at the mercy of them. You will always be fighting and trying not to lose it. This is why we can't put our happiness and our joy and our pride in weight loss, in our bodies being a certain size, shape, or weight. Because the moment we lose that circumstance, it all goes to hell now. Just to bring this back around, back to emotions and and bigger emotions, everyone is going to be challenged right now with some kind of negative emotion. There's a lot that we are all dealing with 
and no one gets to tell you how to feel. Okay, no one gets to rank your pain and say that your loss is easier or that somehow it's better than somebody else's, that it's easier because of how old the person was that maybe you lost, or that it's easier because of how much life they had already lived. I see this a lot when it's older people. Oh, but she lived a long life. Or, oh, but he's out of pain now. And yes, that's true. But there's still loss. There's still grief. There's still sadness and sorrow. It doesn't get any easier because of how long you've been together or how short you've been together or how old you are at the time when this happens. Nobody gets to rank your pain and say that it is worse or better or that you should just hurry up and get over it, that it, it, you just need to move on. You need to get with the program or it's not that big of a deal. You get to feel your emotions and nobody else has to feel them the way that you do, right? Like it's okay if you feel sad and loss or anger or hurt and other people around you don't when they think about the same situation or they look at the same circumstance. That's okay. They're allowed to not feel the way that you feel about something. And this can be challenging, especially in a marriage is what I've noticed is if Zach is upset about something and I don't see it as a big deal, he sees it as being dismissive. And he's like, why are you not upset about this? And to me, I'm like, it's not a problem. I'm sorry that you're upset. I don't see a problem with this though. And I'm not going to get upset just because you're upset. So recognize that not everybody has to get upset when you are. Not everybody has to feel the same emotions that you are feeling. That's the beauty. Nobody gets to tell you how to feel. And we also get to be mindful that we are not trying to tell other people how to feel as well. I had a miscarriage before having Caleb, and I didn't realize the impact that would have on me emotionally to where I couldn't even explain what was happening without crying. I remember calling my uh, mother-in-law and trying to explain and ask her opinion because she was a nurse previously. And then when I checked into the ER, trying to tell the woman at the front desk why I was there, and then later telling my mom on the phone, I couldn't even get the words out. It was, it was just so much more emotional for me than I realized. Part of it, probably pregnancy hormones. Part of it also, just experiencing that deep loss and sadness. And the other thing I didn't realize was how many pregnancies are lost each year, how many women struggle with miscarriage or stillbirth or how many infants die each year. It's tens of thousands. It's a lot. And this is a much bigger thing that I don't know is really discussed or it's something that I've never really seen discussed a whole lot, but it's still so heartbreaking and so hard to understand. And I'm going to share some links and resources in the show notes as well as on the blog post. But NICUHelpingHands.org is a nonprofit They've got a variety of different articles and they are there, whether it's experiencing the loss of a child or having a baby in the NICU or babies that don't come home. They are such a great organization. They have so many resources, so many ways to get involved. If you are in need of any of these resources, please go there. They've got ways to help families through different processes and, and different stages of grief and loss. And they also have ways that you can give back to, whether it's donating your time or money, even things like donating money for postage so that they can send out packages and kits and things to families who are in need. I know that a lot of women have a lot of pain around and it's something that just feels so heartbreaking. But it's something that I really wanted to share, even though it's very hard to talk through all of this right now, even, even years later. And it's okay. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel sad and to feel lost. It's okay to have these emotions. You're not bad or wrong. I think a lot of women can get stigmatized with being too emotional, or maybe you were told as a child that you were too emotional. You need to grow thicker skin. And we just need to recognize that 
Our emotions are okay. We just need to process them. We need to learn how to allow them, how to feel them. And we need to be okay with how our body experiences them, such as crying. This is a way where we are experiencing that emotion and it's not a problem. We don't need to eat or drink over our feelings. The only time we do that is when we are purposefully not allowing them, when we are purposely not processing them, when we are trying to avoid and distract ourselves from them. And this is very normal. It's very common because your brain wants things to stay the same. It does not like change. It certainly does not like big change. This is why we do terrible with diets. Nothing sticks. The change never happens because our brains are literally wired to avoid big change. It might be scary to start to allow and process emotions because this might be a new thing for you. It might be change. And just recognize that these emotions are coming up often because it, your brain doesn't like change. That's why there's fear. Your brain's trying to keep you safe, keep you alive. That's why you feel the uncertainty. But by allowing your emotions, it makes it so much easier to move through them when we can allow it to be there rather than trying to fight it, stuff it down, pretend it's not there, distract ourselves or wish it away. I want to give you some steps and some tools that you can use to handle and process negative emotions. So the first step is going to be to identify what are you feeling? What is the feeling? And then you want to validate your feelings. Okay, and this is a really great opportunity to journal and to write everything out, to get all of the thoughts, all of the emotions, everything out of your out of your brain so that it stops swirling around in there. You don't have to hold on to it. And don't censor yourself. Don't judge yourself. And don't worry about having to pick the right emotion. You're likely going to be feeling a lot of emotions about one circumstance. So we want to just look at what feels the biggest, the most overwhelming, like the primary emotion. What is that? That's what we want to be looking for. And validate it. It's okay that you're feeling this way. Remember, nobody gets to tell you how to feel, and you're not trying to tell other people how to feel either. You have to allow and process this emotion. Otherwise, you're going to be constantly trying to avoid it, to stuff it down, to distract yourself from it, to be seeking pleasure, relaxation, comfort in food or wine or something else later in the day or later in the week. So that's step number one. What am I feeling? And really validate and allow this. Step two is just to remind yourself that you are safe. And this can come up when, especially when there's stress or fear or uncertainty about what life is going to look like. And even when there's grief, sadness, sorrow, there could still be uncertainty around that as well. And like I said, there's going to be multiple things. So pick the one or two primary feelings and just remind yourself that you are safe through this. Sometimes your emotions are going to feel strong, overwhelming, overpowering. But that usually comes when we keep trying to resist the emotion and push it down. So the more you keep reminding yourself, I am safe, the easier it is to calm down that habit brain, to calm down all the senses. So step number three is to look at what's within your control. So now I've identified what am I feeling? I'm allowing it. I'm recognizing it. I'm reminding myself that I'm safe. And I can now start to look at, okay, what is within my control? We often feel like we control emotions with food, right? Food solves hunger, though. It does not solve your emotions. It doesn't solve for the circumstances in your life. It doesn't make anybody's diagnosis go away. It doesn't make your kids behave better. It doesn't make your boss say nice things to you. It does not change world events. It does not make this pandemic end any sooner. We've got to look at how we are typically trying to solve for our emotions and what we try to control. I have power and I have control over me reaching for food. I may not have as much control over circumstances, but we also want to look at 
what circumstances can I change? We want to find this balance, right? I'm always a proponent of let's change how you think and feel and respond to a certain situation as you are in the process of changing it. But we first change how we think and feel and show up for it, how we respond. But we do want to also take a really genuine and honest look at our own mental health and our own ability to stay in that situation, to continue caring for a sick spouse or a sick parent, to continue showing up for a job that's a very toxic environment. I was talking with a couple last week about putting her mom in a full-time care facility, and she had a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of worry about what she was making that mean about her love and her ability to take care of her mom, as well as a lot of fear of what other people were going to think or say or assume about her. And so she was making decisions from a place that she realized she didn't like. And it took this external perspective of really looking and being honest with yourself about how can you continue to show up and care for someone when there's a lot of tension, when there's a lot of fear about how the other person's going to respond or react, when you can't trust that they won't harm themselves if they're left alone, when they need that 24-7 attention, when it's creating a strain on your marriage and a strain with your kids and it creates more tension in other relationships. Those might be some examples to where you want to really consider is this a place that you want to continue and a place that you want to stay, right? We can change our thoughts about it. We can change how we show up to that situation, but we can also be really honest at, do I want to change this? And there may be some things that you do want to change. So starting to look into that and not feel so overwhelmed by that process, but to be able to take it one step at a time and to keep focusing on what you can control, what that one next step is, 1% better. We don't have to lose 50 pounds all at once. We lose it one pound at a time. Day after day, we just take that consistent action. The same thing works in other situations. And that's how we continue to just stay in control and to own our thoughts, own our decisions, and really making sure that when you make a decision, do you like your reasons? Because what this woman was recognizing was that she was making the decision to continue caring for her mother, even though it was hurting other relationships and it was hurting her mentally and emotionally. And she didn't like the reasons that she was continuing to care for her. And she didn't like her reasons for saying no to getting extra help and external support. And it may be that you're in a similar position and maybe you don't need full-time support. Maybe they don't need to move into a full-time care facility. It could be that maybe you have a home health care nurse who comes and helps. Maybe you have other people, other friends, other family members who are able to come and assist you. Are you asking for help? Are you seeking it out? There are a lot of you know, religious organizations and nonprofits and groups and organizations that are going to help with these different phases of life. There are a lot of different podcasts and resources out there, especially as a caregiver. I was on a caregiving podcast actually twice. I will make sure I link to that in the show notes as well. But there are some really amazing resources out there for people who are going through these kind of tricky circumstances where there can be a lot of emotion. There can be a lot of disappointment and fear and anger and frustration coupled with sadness and the loss of that emotional relationship. So just be aware that it's important that we do look at what is within our control. We don't have to change circumstances to feel better, but it is important when we just take an honest look at, is this the best place for me not just to survive, but to thrive and to really grow through it? And step number four is, what can you appreciate about your life right now? In 2018, I was working a job that I really did not like. In fact, most days I told myself I hated it. It was terrible. They didn't appreciate me. It was a waste of my skills and my gifts and talents and strengths and 
It was horrible. And I was a big part as to why that was so horrible and so terrible. And even though I would try to be appreciative and grateful in the morning, hey, this is how we're paying our bills. I'm so grateful I have a job. I'm so grateful that we get to live in this city. I'm so grateful we have this apartment. I can be grateful and appreciative, but I was not grateful all throughout the day. And that's where I needed to work on really managing my mind and catching all of those old shitty thoughts that wanted to drag me back into this is terrible. This sucks. They don't value me, blah, 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 blah. Instead of looking at how to manage my mind throughout the day, I thought I could just tell myself something once and have that be good enough. But I had to constantly redirect. Paul David Tripp has a great quote that I absolutely love. And he says that God will take you where you don't want to go in order to produce in you what couldn't have been done any other way. I'm going to say that again. God will take you where you don't want to go in order to produce in you what couldn't have been done any other way. And so I just asked this question. I want to pose this as what if your pain had a purpose? What if the grief, the loss, the sorrow, the sadness, what if God in his infinite wisdom knows exactly what's required in order to get you on the path that you need to be on? Because we can only connect the dots looking backwards. So until we get to that point where we can start connecting all those dots, all we can do is continue to walk forward, walk in faith, and trust that God is 100% in control, even when things don't seem to make sense. I have seen this play out so many times in my own life. So back to this job, there was another woman that I was working with, and it was so influential and so beneficial that we had two conversations. Conversation about me leaving the position after a year and a conversation about me encouraging and empowering her to take control, to realize how valuable her skills were outside of that job. And she's a dear friend of mine. I love her to pieces. And she has, her life is now on this totally different trajectory from just a single conversation. And I look back at my time in that job and I think I wasn't I wasn't there for me. I wasn't there for myself. Yes, I was helping support my family and paying bills and there was that aspect, but I was there for her. I was there to change somebody else's life. It's not always about me. It was about her in this moment in time. I think back to after I graduated college in 2008 and I really struggled to find a job. I had an internship in DC. Nothing really came after that in 2009. Then I worked at Abercrombie as a manager at the mall. I was a personal trainer and group fitness instructor. And then the gym closed. And so I had all of these different things coming into place. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll go to Bangladesh. My parents were stationed there. And I thought, I'll get a real job. I'll pay off my student loans. I'll finally get my life together. I'll figure this out. And then when I got into the country, the embassy went on a hiring freeze, or the State Department in particular did. So the job that had been offered to me that I was planning on taking was no longer available. So now I had maxed out my credit card to get there. I'm in this third world country and I have my needs paid for. I have food. I have a roof over my head. I'm not totally desolate, but I also had nothing to go home to. So I was like, all right, God, you brought me here for a reason. I don't know what, but it ended up I started a bakery. And that is what really turned me on to entrepreneurship. It's where I started to get creative and think outside the box to look at what I was really good at in my life. It was a way for me to be creative when I had never really thought I was creative before. It's certainly not artistic. It gave me all of these opportunities. It's where I ended up meeting Zach. We met at a bake sale of all places. I had seen him in passing a couple of times, but, you know, then we ended up meeting at a bake sale at the embassy. And it was one of those things where, again, had other things happened in my life to have kept me in the U.S., I would not have been in that moment at that specific time when I needed to be there for a variety of things to happen. 
the only way was that I had to have nothing to hold me back. And so I felt a lot of shame at the time. Even afterwards, for a while, for many years, it felt like the biggest failure of my life was to not have a job after college, to not be able to pay off my student loans right away. And I quickly realized (laughs) how true the statement was that God had to take me where I didn't want to go because that was the only way it could have been done. It was the only way. And God knew that. And it plays out time and time again in my life and in other people's lives of just how I know that this is part of how God works. He works through our pain. He works through our suffering. He works through our stress and through our emotional uncertainty. He works through everything. And this can be an opportunity where you can grow closer to him or it gives you the opportunity to deny him, to doubt him, to question. But God is not a genie in a bottle. He is not here to just make your life better. He's not here to make you happy. He is not here to answer your prayers because you ask for them. There are natural consequences of the world, right? I'm 36 years old. If I want to go out and play tackle football or even flag football, I need to be prepared to pull a hammy, right? Like I need to be prepared to twist an ankle because there are natural consequences of running my (laughs) getting older body on a field full of potholes and divots. Right? There are going to be some natural consequences to the actions that we take. It's not that God is not answering your prayers, but God is not here just to give you things. God is also here to make sure that you get on the path that you need to be on. And sometimes what we pray for is not the path that God wants us on. Sometimes God does not give us what we pray for and what we want because he is pointing us in a different direction. Or he's telling us to keep going. No, it's not here. Keep going. You keep knocking. Keep knocking on those doors. Nope, not this one. Keep going. It doesn't mean we have to bust through and break down a wall. doesn't mean we have to create a hole where there was no hole. We just keep walking and we keep moving forward. But again, this is an opportunity for us to grow through the pain and to grow through the challenge and to grow through the suffering, to grow through the stress and the fear and the worry. It's an opportunity for us to trust in him more and more. Don't let your negative emotions build up and lead to unnecessary suffering. Yes, life is 50-50, but all too often I see people swirling in doubt and fear and self-pity and a victim mentality so much that it consumes their entire life. Like everything that they see gets tainted with this color. And that mindset gets you nowhere. So it's one thing to allow negative emotions, but it's a completely different ballgame when everything you do or say is shrouded in anger and judgment and victimhood. Stop playing in your diaper wondering why life smells so terrible. This is why. Because we have control over how we think and how we feel and how we show up to things. We have a choice. Life can feel hard, but you always have a choice. You might not think of it that way, but that is the first step to taking back your power is realizing that you have a choice. You can choose to keep going to that job you hate. You can choose to keep caring for your sick spouse. You can choose to keep caring for your kids, even though they drive you crazy sometimes. You can choose to keep cleaning your house. You can choose to keep doing the things that you're doing, or you can choose not to. No one is forcing you. No one is forcing you as a mom to care for your kids. No one's forcing you to bathe them. Nobody is forcing you to feed them. Nobody is forcing you to clean your house or pick up after your dogs. That is a choice. So you may not be able to change every situation in life. That's going back to realizing and recognizing what can I control, what is out of my control. We can't control a diagnosis. We can't control what kind of illness somebody gets. All I can control is how I respond to it. What are my thoughts? What are my feelings? How am I going to show up? How can I show up? the best of my ability, which sometimes means I am not their full-time caregiver. You can change how you think and respond to them, even if you can't change the situation. 
And you can start to feel better now without needing anything around you to change. That is such a personal decision is deciding when circumstances need to change. But you can start feeling better now without any circumstances changing. So how do you feel better about yourself? How do you feel better about your life? And we have to start by identifying the thoughts that are creating our feelings. Don't shame yourself into feeling better about your loss because other people have it worse or it's time to move on or someone says that you should be over this by now or it's not that big of a deal. Why are you so upset? You don't have to get over anything. All we want to do is just start to recognize where your power lies in your thoughts. So what thoughts are creating this feeling? Grief, loss, stress, anxiety, it's cyclical, right? It's not a linear process. It's not going in it one day and then I'm out and I'm forever out the next day. It's more like waves of the ocean. It comes in and it goes out. It might come in and maybe you feel pressure, anxiety, worry, fear, and then it goes out and then it comes back in and then it goes out. And all the while, you might be feeling like you are in the ocean and there are going to be times where you feel like the waves are crashing over your head. But the more you keep allowing it, the more you recognize and you process through it, the more you can keep taking steps back towards the shore to where now the waves only come up to your shoulders and you, can, you keep breathing. You keep moving forward and then the, the grief goes out and then the grief comes back and then the grief goes away and then the grief comes back, right? Like it has this rhythm and this cycle to it. It's not just a straight line or a straight I'm here one day and I'm there the next. And one of the reasons why we are so resistant and we create extra unnecessary suffering for ourselves is by trying to resist the emotion. It's freaking ourselves out, worrying about, oh, no, this is bad. It shouldn't be happening. I've already done this already. This feels terrible. This is horrible. I can't go back there. That overpowering sense of doom and dread. It's how we respond to the emotions that can help us work through it and process through it in a positive way or that keep us stuck, that keep us feeling like we're being sucked under. That's within your control. The problem is that most of us are never trained how to manage or process or allow emotions. A lot of times we're told emotions are bad. You're not supposed to cry, right? Shh, be quiet. Don't distract other people or don't be a bother. Don't be a nuisance. Just sit quietly. Don't feel your emotions. No big outbursts. No big ways of expressing things. We really lack understanding and allowing emotions, especially negative ones, especially if you were punished for negative emotions as a kid and you didn't have a good way to let them out, or if you didn't have a good view of what healthy conflict or healthy anger looks like to express and how to express that. You may have just picked up a bad habit around how that works. But I just want you to note how you're talking about negative emotions. And this is part of the process is understanding what we learned, what we picked up as a kid about it. And even talking about when it comes to things like grief or sadness or loss, a lot of times we can say, I have good days and bad days, meaning there was more negative emotions. Just because you have negative emotion doesn't mean it has to be a bad day. So really just be aware of the language that you're using about it, how we try to call things good or bad. And it's bad because of this negative emotion, which automatically triggers your brain to think, I want to avoid that. That was bad. I don't want to experience that anymore. And keeps reinforcing this idea of, like, I need to push it away. I need to distract myself. I need to stuff that down. I don't want to do that again. It's not just one puzzle piece of anger or doubt or fear or uncertainty. It's multiple pieces. So we just want to see how this all links together. And now how do we take it from the more holistic approach to solving this? Some journal questions just to get you started would be, how can I sit with my thoughts and my emotions and not eat over them? We really want to start to direct your brain to solving the problem rather than 
this is so hard. It's so terrible. I'm so overwhelmed. Rather than swirling and all the crap, we want to challenge your brain to answer this question. How can I sit with this emotion? How can I feel sad? How can I feel uncertain? How can I feel scared and not eat over it? What will I be doing instead? What will I tell myself instead? How will I process and allow this? And if you are getting stuck on this issue of how do I allow a feeling? How do I not need to eat over it? How do I process it? How do I handle it? How do I feel better about my life without changing a circumstance? Then I would love to chat. This is exactly what I do with clients because this is how we start to solve the real issue. We have to go to work on our emotions and not just solve for the food. We can take away food all day long, but it's not going to actually solve why you're reaching for it when you're not hungry. If you would like to chat more, you can visit www.bodyyoucrave.com forward slash schedule and find a day and time on my calendar that works for you. And I'll help you. I'll show you what it looks like to be able to process and handle any emotion and be able to really change how you think and show up to life circumstances and then also help you to feel confident and empowered to make decisions that you feel good about without fear of what other people think around certain circumstances that you can change. We want to start to look at and challenge our brain to answer, how do I not eat over these emotions? You can also journal on why are your feelings valid and okay? Because one of the biggest problems is that we judge and shame ourselves for having certain emotions. I shouldn't be feeling this way. Other people have it worse. I should just get over it. It's a first world problem. It's really not that big of a deal. No, it's okay. You can validate your feelings. And then really look at what can I control now? And answer that for yourself. Honestly, what can you control? I can change my thoughts about it. I can change my emotions. I can control my emotions about it. I control how I show up. I can control certain things that I do, how I respond to certain people. I can control different aspects of pain management. What can I control right now? These are some great starting points for looking at how do you start to take control? How do you start to process and work through this? How do you give yourself other ways to work through this? Because this is life. You learn how to manage your negative emotions now, and these tools are going to be with you the rest of your life. And it's going to be so much easier not just to lose weight, but to keep it off and to really create the body and life that you crave. If you are looking for some extra help, if you would like some extra support, then I would love to chat. Please feel free to reach out. Life can feel hard and it can feel very challenging and overwhelming, but you can get through this. And if you want that extra help in learning better coping skills, learning how to eliminate stress, learning how to feel in control and be able to handle any big emotion, then I would love to help. All right. www.bodyyoucrave.com forward slash schedule. All right. Here's to giving you peace and comfort and allowing negative emotions. I'll talk with you next week. If you like this episode, then you'll love my free virtual workshop, Five Keys to End Emotional Eating and Lose Excess Weight for Life. You'll learn the counterintuitive reason why all your attempts to restrict food over the years has actually led to weight gain and the mental switch you need to flick that'll have you dropping pounds without sacrificing wine, carbs, or the food you love. Get all the details at bodyyoucrave.com.